Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Craze Cast, the podcast run by the fans for the fans that brings you close to the action. My name is Roxy and today I'm joined by my fellow host Amber and our lovely team photographer uh, Jean. Can you guys give a quick hello? Hello! Hi! Hi! To keep up with all of our content, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Craze Magazine, and YouTube to Craze for exclusive interviews as they come up. Before we begin, we'd like to give a big shout out to our patrons that help make this episode possible. Big thanks to Danielle, Stuart, Mian, and Brienne for their support. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash magazine to check out all the great perks we have for our members. So how, how is everybody doing today? Mama is currently happening and that is kind of a big, that's a big I'm experience. drowning. I'm drowning. As we speak, 17 just won global favorite performer. Wow, that's great. Well deserved. They've been getting snubbed all night and it's been frustrating. So who has been taking all the awards? Oh, I'll give you three guesses. The first two don't count. Uh, I'm sure nobody can guess who it is. <laughs> so BTS has been slaying. They've gotten seven. I know people get annoyed about it, but I still remember the time when Mama was snubbing them, and now they're not. They're getting everything. So like, part of me is like cool with it, but I get why people get so annoyed by it. I am. I'm more the fact that Dynamite got best dance instead of Black Swan. Because but it's such a catchy, fun song. It's so happy. No, but, for <laughs> but for dance, though. Okay, agree for that. That's. I'm fair. just like cool for song, but for dance though, so frustrating. I was like, bruh. So, so go ahead, Roxy. So Mama marks kind of end of year awards, and we thought that this week we would go back and look at some of the predictions that we had made for 2020 and then discuss some of like the best that we thought of uh, that came out this year. So Roxy, do you want to go into it from our 2020 predictions? I'm going to be real shocked if any of these actually came true because hello, COVID happened. That's true. COVID ruined like everything. One of my predictions was that everybody was going to have a tour and like within two months that just completely got destroyed. My heart's broken. I so miss live music. (laughs) I know. I feel like I'm more like depressed than usual because I haven't been able to go to these concerts. I was supposed to go to Mama this year. I was supposed to go to Melon this year and but I'm I'm at home in my pajamas. The introvert in me is like enjoys being at home in my pajamas but at the same time sometimes I just want to go out and get in a giant crowd of people to watch a k-pop group like I, I never realized how much I wanted that until I couldn't have it. it's like we really 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 like we complain about it at the time but then afterwards you're like fuck you know what's missing that serotonin boost you know I I actually do miss being pushed by people and hit by light sticks it's to that extent. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I, to God, I said the last time I was ever going to do Pit was like 2018 when I saw BTS, but I might have to get my ass back in there now after this. I don't miss that. We don't have that problem in Korea. I'm kind of jealous of that because you really have to straight up fight people in the United States when it comes to being in Pit. But I've told you about like concerts in Korea are like you think the ones in America are like an all-day fair not like you gotta be 
on the venue property to pick up all your freebies because there's tons of freebie handouts that happen and you just got to be like you got to take a bag and you need water it's it's a long night so what do you normally leave for a concert like in the morning there are a lot of us that do that here too but it's more because if you want to be in front you have to go super early I love the fact that Korea uses queue numbers. I went to I went to see him blue in Hong Kong and they had that and which was pretty awesome. Yeah, that would be so much better cuz there was for for BTS in 2018, a bunch of us camped out and then the venue didn't know what they were doing. So they're like, this isn't the official line. It starts here. So everybody barreled over each other to get a better position in line. It was a disaster. I'm telling you, we all just need to start an entertainment company. I'm in. <laughs> so Uh, One of the first predictions that I had made since tours are completely defunct, that's not happening for a while at this point, was that a girl group hits it big in the U.S. market. So did that come true or was it just K-pop in general really that seemed to hit the mark more this year? I mean, towards the end of it, we were seeing more of Blackpink, but also we're seeing Luna and G-Idol and Twice now making huge drives in the U.S. now. I personally think with Blackpink, uh, it's Netflix documentary, um, that show that came on, that which was a lot of fun, that Blackpink, you know, really did make a mark this year. Oh yeah, I forgot about, I haven't watched the documentary, but... Netflix keeps telling me to. I I do, Twice did release their first English single this year, didn't they? With I Can't Stop Me. Yes, man, it's, it's crazy with everything. I'm just thinking about it. We did have a little bit more with um, KDA, with more girl group members participating in that. I was gonna uh, bring up KDA because like, when I go on TikTok, all I see is like that clip of Soyeon doing the rap for KDA. People are all over that. Definitely. And I think it's because of the gamer girl aspect of it. I wonder if we might see Espa trying to encroach on KDA's territory in 2021. I, I like all this blend of gaming and K-pop. It's such, uh, it just, they just work so well together. The music, the system, the, so I would like to see more of that. I wouldn't be surprised if Espa starts doing that since they're doing the whole, what is it, half the group is like the AI or whatever that they're doing or the clone of them. I I, I haven't fully like dived into it, so I don't even know what. (laughs) They have like cloned counterpart. And they're, I have to say their single was fire. I really like Black Mamba. Well, hopefully 2021 brings us more and we get to see more other groups maybe also doing over to the gaming platform with avatars, etc. I wouldn't be surprised given how popular KDA was. I mean, Twice even jumped in on it because weren't they on the album as well? I wouldn't know. Amber's like, that's not my avenue. <laughs> Give me a boy group and I got you. But girl groups, I'm like, mm, what? And kind of weak girl groups as well. But I like a lot of the music. So it's, I'm just not as familiar with the group members. Here's one that I did get wrong. I predicted that Momoland was going to disband because I believe at the end of 2019, there was all of this issue with, what was it? Daisy came out and said she was mistreated and a couple of the other members left. Momoland did not disband, but they have definitely struggled with their popularity compared to like when they released Boom Boom and Bam. I don't think they're the only girl group that struggled this year too. I mean, I'm happy to see that Red Velvet is coming back, but their controversy also was difficult this year. And then there was Jimin also with AOA. So I feel like there was a number of girl group issues that came up this year with some of the bigger groups. That's true. AOA is probably done. I think one of the, was it Soyeon? She's in a drama right now and people were like, 
eyes emoji because like it's the first thing AOA has done since the bullying controversy. We will see. We will see. So one that's good for debate is uh, Monster X. So at the end of 2019, as we all know, uh, Wanho left Monster X and there were a lot of people that were not happy about it and a lot of people that did not feel the same about Monster X after it happened. But do you think they've sort of overcome that that hurdle in the t- in this time? I honestly think they're still kind of hurting. They're trying to grapple back at things, but it's still, as people who have been their fans for a while, there still is an obvious piece missing. And I think uh, Love Killer was a good try. Like, they're still trying to refine their sound, uh, six members. I think they're doing fine considering all the controversy that was there. I think both Monster X and Wano are both actually surviving in this in this market this, this is a very difficult year with with no live performances and with everyone like sheltered at home and stuff so it's it's a difficult year and I feel like they're still making their mark despite all of that I see a lot of people fans of Monster X especially are very very vocal uh in their support <laughs> um but I also do know like I have a friend who was very very close to being like a Monster X alt and this was right right before Wanho left and they've said like I can't look at it the same since then um and I sort of feel that way as well like I liked Love Killa um I've followed Monster X since they started but there's something about it that's just like not it just it, it feels like like missing I guess is what you know I would describe it as no I definitely agree like there's a piece missing so like not to be biased or anything but I also said that I thought AT's was gonna like really make it bigger this year but I am extremely biased so I can't say whether or not that was true <laughs> um oh wait I'm biased too I can't well they hit really strong when they came out they were like amazingly strong and their music was so great and their latest album was good but it's just I didn't hit the same way I think personally I was kind of looking at like my favorite songs and I don't know if it's because my personal life at the time that they came out with their new album, but like I did not go as hard for it as I did uh, the one at the beginning of the year. So I don't know, but I do think the summer album for ATs was kind of hit or miss. But there was also like I think the way it came out and like the kind of stuff that clouded its release um, did kind of ruin it for some people. What clouded its release though? The Hong Jun situation. Uh. See, I blocked that out of my memory because <laughs> I didn't want to remember it since I am very loudly a Hong Jung stan, but that's true. I think KQ kind of messed up there. Um, it, it was very tone deaf to me because especially in 2020 with the way that things have been, if you're a more internationally focused group or you're looking for success that way, you should probably be aware of what's going on in the market that you're targeting to and like not do something insensitive. Definitely, because like ATS has been known for their like reach internationally and how aware they are so having that really just like put a stopper i don't know much about the issue that arose but it's again the, the too long didn't read version of it is cultural preparation hair issues Ugh. Ugh. that's so unfortunate it's just people should be more aware and, I, and not just the artists themselves, it's the stylists and the people around them, which always surprised me because it's not individual. It's usually the company and everyone around them also who are creating these looks for them. And it's just overall, I feel that they need to be more aware. 
But the fact that they did also come out and make a statement about it is better than what a lot of companies have been doing. Agreed. Agreed. That's true. And I think they tried to cut cut it out as much as possible from the Thanks music video. Um, obviously, they had filmed it completely and they couldn't exactly do that, but it seemed like they were trying to tone it down. But yeah, I, I do feel like... Because, you know, it's not like Hong Jun went there and was like, let me wear this. Like, there's a lot of people that go into that decision. And the fact that it gets through so many layers of, like, approval before somebody was like, maybe we shouldn't do that is a little bit concerning. We see this all the time. It's always, it's something that happens. Like, I feel like every quarter there's some cultural appropriation issue or some questionable cultural appropriation issue that comes up. So I don't feel like this is the last of this issue that we're going to see, like, in K-pop in general. Yeah, K-pop's been doing it for years. Like, they don't learn from each other. That's the thing that I find hilarious is like, you've seen this happen to a different company. Why do you think it'll be different for you? It's really annoying. And I wish that cultural competency was something that every idol group went through. But as you see idol groups become more multicultural, I think it will become a priority. At least I hope. But I feel like the multiculturalism and the groups are still focused more on Asia. So... The question of whether the the training on cultural appropriation internationally will happen as much is just a general concern. I wonder how much we're going to see of that in 2021. I'm going to start like a spreadsheet to keep track of like all of these (laughs) these stupid controversies and like see how often these people repeat their mistakes without learning. Because it it's every time I see like I go and I see some sort of thing like uh, a news outlet saying like oh. But applaud apologizes for this. I'm like, oh, for God's sake, here we go again. It's never like, it's never a surprise. I'm just like, that's where we are. But this was also a record year in regards to if we move past the um, the predictions a little bit and just talk about it's it's been a record year also for K-pop to reach out and and just a lot of like reaching out to their fans, reaching out to the communities. Um, they're used, there's a lot of a lot of social activism as well this year. So that. I think has been more of a positive thing than it has been in the past. So I'm not, I'm not like super in touch with the Western music scene. Like the music that I listen to that's not K-pop is like not popular stuff. Did they, cause like K-pop very, very quickly adapted to the, the environment with the virus where they all started doing the online concerts and stuff. Did they start doing that over here at all? I didn't really see that much here. Um, I think they were trying to do, it was, I don't recall any concerts that were online in the same way. I mean, in Japan, they did. The One OK Rock concert was amazing um, online, but I don't know if they had the same platforms here to do the big concert sites. They did the they did events like parking lot concert events and the award ceremonies and things like that. 88 Rising did this big thing in like August. They like did a massive music festival thing. It kind of mirrored the global citizen thing that happened early on in the pandemic. That's where we had clippets of people speaking and music and playing music from home. That's where um, you saw Super M who came out on the global um, music festival. I think it was Super, it was Super M. So that came out and 
brought out their song there. And I, I just find it interesting that I feel like it's always been true, at least for K-pop, that they've always pushed, <laughs> I don't really know how to like articulate this, but they've figured out where the money is and how to get it really, really fast. So like they produce more at a quicker pace than Western artists do and stuff like that. So I've seen even like smaller groups announce like their own singular online concert. And I'm like, how do y'all have the money for this? Our favorite friends of the magazine Mont, they had their own online concert and they had like one major sponsor and then like tickets were like five dollars a piece for their online concert broadcast through youtube through a private link the availability for people to be able to do this now is amazing but also i don't think korea ever shut down to the extent that we did so i don't know if that makes any difference oh we get in there though they just raised it and sold today what level y'all at so on red? our on our five point scale, we're at two point five, which is the fourth out of five points. So is it, do you think that's going to be a shutdown or just in certain? Soul areas? is pretty much shut down. A lot of the there are idols getting infected now. So <laughs> yeah, like there's been so many people who have popped positive that they're like, "Dope, we can't do that." Question is whether this kind of production could continue if people start getting COVID over there, because I guess even if it's a virtual concert, you still need people to set things up, but maybe you can do that all remotely. I'm not sure. Look at Mama right now. Like artists have been coming out on stage um, and it looks like the way, cause the way things are happening, artists aren't coming out of like wings or anything. They're being like sequestered in like different spots. Like they'll come out from under the stage, come from the left, come from the right. Um, and a lot of performances were pre-recorded. So like there's, less amounts of people that's true but there's also certain people that have to get in close contact with them i.e hair and makeup and the stylists in general which I that think goes is where... with the bubble concept like their their bubble does that make sense yeah i was just i remember reading i forget which group it was but it, it was somebody from sbs i think that was infected um that had you know contact with a bunch of idols so like, I don't know, you know, how that's, how that's going to go. Like if they're, <laughs> if the outbreak is super major, they're probably going to stop most of what they're doing for a period of time anyway. They, it's getting to the point where like artists are relying more on like things like Live and stuff. And I think it's great, but also like a bunch of bored young adults with access to internet to millions of people. What else do you think is going to happen? some chaos which is what i'm all about i want one of these idols to get on drunk one day like it would be a huge scandal but i think it would be freaking hilarious they some have done that with bubble before who's on bubble i thought it was just uh stray kids um sm started with bubble and then jyp picked up bubble and right now it's stray kids and three members of 2pm and i think more groups will get added as time goes on I hope 2PM is wild in on there because like the older that you get in this industry, the more like dumb shit that you can do. That Let me just say awesome. Stray Kids are some needy boyfriends on theirs. I have them and they're like so fucking needy. But like you pay monthly to talk to boys. Isn't that what it is basically? Yeah, pretty much. Like you get people flirting with you. You get them yelling at you. Um, you get teased, teased relentlessly thanks Lino. It's an interesting concept. We could have a whole episode of where like access to idols through Bubble. Uh, TBT to when V Live started. 
show your age <laughs> in the industry. Oh, God. So another thing I saw that you had put on there is the rise of Wanho and Hanbin. And I think you got it half right. Wanho has made a triumphant return and he's getting a ton of attention. Hanbin, on the other hand, he's went like, there's talk of him preparing an album, but he's like in like leadership now in his new company. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't he get put in like a senior position? Yeah. So I feel, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. But like my thought process when I was writing that was that like, they're not going to fade into obscurity. You know what I mean? Because what happened to both of them was like, not fair. So I figured that they would come back stronger. I think he will come back. It'll just need some more time. It'll be interesting to see the response when he does. Um, Icon... I feel like Icon has always been on the struggle bus for no reason besides YG just like putting them there. They have songs that get really, really popular and there are a lot of people that follow them, but then they just like fade out into nothing. I think it's Icon and Winner both, I feel like, go through that issue. I mean, honestly, I don't know if it's just the why all the troubles that YG has had. I feel like aside from Blackpink and then whether Big Bang comes back. Um, the other groups, aside from Akmu, have been struggling a bit. YG does have a very, very bad reputation. And even with him leaving the company or like stepping down as like the head chairman, people still associate his gross behavior with the entire brand. So, you know, it's not really that fair to the other idols, but. Well, hopefully, I mean, G-Dragon is supposed to come back, hopefully, crossing fingers, so, and, and Big Bang. So we'll see if that happens in 2021. And if that happens, then maybe they'll breathe some new life into YG, aside from Blackpink and what's already there. But I have to say that Akmu's happening song was amazing. And so I think YG's still there for the long run. It's just going to take some time for some of these groups to come back up. But Icon and Winner do deserve more attention that they've gotten throughout their career so far. When was the last song that Icon even released at this point? It was something this year. I don't know. I feel like uh, if Icon did release something this year, I didn't even like hear about it at all. I had to look it up. Icon Dive, I should know this. I'm very disappointed in myself. Um, it came out earlier in the year, though. Oh, now that you mention it, I do remember. That was around the time Luna came back, I think, with Why Not, or So What. It's been, like, 2020 feels like it's been, like, four years. It feels like forever, but also no time has passed. It's a really weird thing, because, like, I've, since my paid job uh, has us working remotely, I literally, like, don't leave the house, so I have, like, no concept of time anymore. It's really been a blur, I think, just because you don't have the markers that mark this period, this period, this period, this period. It's just the next day, the next day, and it goes on and on. I know it's true because, like, I used to, you know, I would go to KCON New York every year um, for a coverage. So, like, that marks, you know, the beginning of summer-ish. And to, like, not have that or any concerts whatsoever, I've kind of, in the past, like, marked my time based on time between this one and this one and like the last concert I went to was Itzy and that was in January which is like really weird and I don't like it and I kind of wish Corona would stop <laughs> but don't we all 
there were so many shows that were in the frameworks when, you know, when everything stopped, everything was just, there's, there's so many shows and so much excitement and then it just all died. And so hopefully things do come to a point where we can have more live music in 2021, but I feel like it's going to take a while for us to get there. Definitely because the world doesn't know how to listen. But I do think sweaty pits of pushing people right next to each other might be a thing of the past for the immediate future, even if things come back. I definitely think they'll start adopting like seated pits. I think that would be interesting if America could finally adopt what Korea has been doing at their concerts. That doesn't mean people won't get up and rush the stage though, because that's what they love to do here. I mean, they'll do like, I heard at BTS's big concerts, like they had security on security there. I remember, I think it was love yourself um like the the big concert at uh the city field one yeah the city field one um that was like the first major major like situation even like rm was like you know in between stages uh all the people in the front he was like guys stop pushing stop doing this like there were so many people in the pit that it was just like complete chaos i was on the pit but i was on the floor we went in with the idea that we are no we have no interest of going anywhere near the stage from all the chaos. So we kind of stood in the back and we had great views because the field is so big that we were able to, and you can move around. So we moved left and right and we had a great time. So this idea that you have to be right next to the pit, it's not always, you don't have to be, you can just go a little bit later and hang out in the back. But again, it is different for the people who want to be as close as possible, but you can have a great time without being squashed. The back of the pit, if you're so focused on them getting your, them like seeing you the back is the best part because they can actually spot you in the back not in the clump of humans exactly i don't know why people haven't figured that out yet i think there's a stream that you'll be able to make eye contact and for smaller concerts that it, that's true that um when you're at the smaller venues that you can have some one-on-one contact but for the bigger stadiums and fields and venues that's pretty much impossible which i think gets uh, it gets lost yes pro tip for any new fans uh you are not going to get bts's attention if you're in the pit at a bts concert anymore that time has passed we live that time but nobody else can at this point for sure and pits aren't always worth the money guys just saying i've had the greatest time in pits so I would say if it's a smaller group in a smaller venue, it's, and you get there early, that it is worth the money and the time. But if it's a larger venue, not as much, because often there's barriers set away so much from the stage that you can't have that close-up action, even if you're in the pit. So a big shout out for smaller venues and and for groups that are coming out. There, It's tends to be a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to be up close and it's a lot of fun to be able to see them up close, but you're not going to get that with the bigger groups at bigger stadiums. It's only a dream at this point. <laughs> I wake I up. I miss some days. live music. I know. I wake up some days. I'm like, I just want it. Eh, I just want to do something. Like, I want to have a live concert in my apartment. Like, I will drop money. Someone come perform in my living room. I feel the same way. I feel like, can we have someone walk around and do maybe roof? I have a rooftop. <laughs> come and be, do a rooftop concert for me. I was. Uh, watching mama tonight and you can tell some of these idols are like desperate to be on stage because it comes out in their performances like poor hong jun was like screaming into the microphone he was like thank god i'm on stage i worry about him he needs that unleashed because otherwise something bad will happen 
he's been threatening to have a busking event in front of KQ without telling his management. Hey, Hong Joon, come perform in my backyard. If you need performance, I'll record for you. It's an open invitation, but only to Hong Joon. I don't want anybody else. So none of the other people can come? You won't let... Well, I understand Wusan would cause too much of a headache. Yeah, just Hong Joon. It's not because he's my favorite or anything. Moving on to some of our some last predictions. Um, I did say that NCT was going to debut a new unit, which they did not do. Well, unless you count NCT 2020, but they just- It is a unit. They they keep adding people to NCT. And I was watching 23 of them on stage and like my old ass brain just can't keep up with this. It's too many of them. They have made an impact. And I agree that it is a new unit. There's rumors flying around that they're doing, like they're planning different areas of like like NCT Europe, NCT South America. That's that's not a rumor. The uh, the new acting operating officer said that that's a thing. Uh, which ones did they say? Because I haven't looked very far into it. Europe, Asia, America, Africa, South America. See, I am not sure how that's going to work out because I know like NCT 127 was supposed to be like the Korean unit, right? Because 127 had something to do with latitude or longitude of Seoul, but they were expanding into the U.S. market. So I'm like, what? How are they gonna? How are they gonna balance this? It'll be interesting how they do it, but I feel like they have such a wide base to start out with that uh, that it's a strong possibility that it can do really well because every country wants to connect with. K-pop in a way that brings it to them. And if they can touch base on that, can have something really viable. I'm kind of scared about what they're going to do with NCT Africa, though, based on SM's history. They need people there working on it. (laughs) I think if they have the right people to do it, it can go well, but they really have to be aware of cultural sensitivities. Yeah, they have a really high probability of fucking that one up if they don't like... If they don't do some serious work. I mean, look what just happened with Hendry and then the issue we had with um, Boom with NCT Dream and Chen Lei's hair. I don't trust SM with a group outside of Asia. I guess we just have to cross our fingers and hope that nothing horrible comes out of it. I know, like, I'm interested to see what happens, but at the same time, like, I am scared because I know it's probably not going to be good. It's more than a 50-50. It's like a 70-30 that they're going to get it right. Like, 70% chance they're going to do something wrong. I definitely agree. So my last prediction, up tension uh, rising in popularity. So my basis of this was after produce... 101 how newest sort of just like exploded because of their participation but also because Minhyun made 101 so because Wusok made it into X1 and uh Jinhyuk should have it came out that he was uh kicked off by the lead uh PD on there I thought that that would give more attention to their group but since like the controversy surrounding Produce 101 happened and X1 was dissolved I think that played a big part in it as well as the fact that top media started promoting Wusok and uh, Jinhyuk as soloists rather than putting them back in their group. I mean I haven't followed Uptension that much. Their music has been good but um, I don't know if they've risen that much in 2020 to be honest. Yeah I would say they didn't um, at all. I mean I followed I've like sort of followed Uptension um since they, they debuted in 2015. So they're an older group. Wusok, I think Wusok and Jinyuk have been decently popular, but that has definitely not 
translated into their group. Like the only reason Uptension was in the news like in the last week is because two of them got coronavirus. Definitely like I don't hear much about Uptension here in Korea. So it's like, mm, I don't know. I would say all in all prediction wise uh, hit or miss, but that would, you know, make sense considering their predictions. And also as a COVID year, no one could have predicted this in 2019. I know in February, I was like, we're not going to shut down. Nothing bad's going to happen. And that was just me being in denial, really. Yeah, I think any 2020 predictions went out the door with COVID, honestly. Yeah, I think like we can't like depend on it. 2021 will be very interesting though to see what happens, whether live music comes back, whether people will expand on virtual platforms, um, whether people will be able to travel to see music or be able to travel at all. I mean, it'll be very interesting to see how the whole industry develops with the frameworks that have been developed this year because of COVID. I wanted to go to Korea this year, what they I said now. I'm to go next. I'm really <laughs> hoping to go next year. Me too now. Like that's what I'm aiming for, but who the hell can afford two weeks in quarantine really? Yeah, no. That's why I haven't left the country because I'm not paying that money when I get back. I guess feasibly it would be possible for me, but it'll just be difficult. Um, I have a kid in school things too, so that would be difficult. But I mean, everything is online these days. So if you're just willing to spend some time, I guess you could. But the quarantine thing makes it really difficult to go anywhere, to be honest. All right. So I was thinking now that we finished predictions, I want to move into some of our favorite releases for 2020. So I myself went through some of my stuff and picked out, uh, you know, specific releases that really stuck out to me uh, personally. So do you guys have any that you wanted to share? I mean, honestly, for me, um, because any song started out the year and was so strong that it's still probably one of my favorites from 2020, honestly. The whole dance, the whole videos the, that w- were done, any song really killed it. See, did, did any song sort of start the trend of like TikTok dances? Because I feel like I see everybody yeah. do those now. Yeah, it was Zico. He did it. God damn, Zico never, he never disappoints. I just feel like song was upbeat, fun, and everyone got into it. And it was just such a strong start. Um, it was just, an, it was an excellent song. And it's still probably my favorite from 2020. Any song was definitely a strong one. And the fact that Zico released it like right before, well, not right before, but like before he had to go into the military. It's a good, it's a good look because then, you know, people are going to remember you while you're gone. But for me, I guess it would be any song in Dynamite. Those are the two strongest, oh, God's Menu, Stray Kids. Those were my top three, probably. I put God's Menu on mine too. That was a surprisingly, like, I like Stray Kids, but I'm not like a, I wouldn't want to say I'm a stan or anything. I like Stray Kids. Uh, I thought God's Menu was amazing. And people were talking about it like crazy too because the the way the music video was shot. And the way that the whole album was introduced, they actually introduced it by making a like cooking teaser where they made Malatong. And so they got the nickname of the Malatong flavored idols. I love that video. They all look so good at it and the cooking and the movements and just everything with it. So obviously... Stray Kids is on my list of best releases of 2020. Um, also, my best releases of 2020 would actually be A.T.'s summer release. I really liked Thanks because that's a sound we were kind of missing this year. 
That's interesting. I, d- I liked Thanks, but I also liked Inception a lot. That's the one that ends up on my heavy rotations the most. I have to go with Inception also. Just it's it's a good song. That one um, grabbed me more, but Thanks was a good song as well. I remember when they were releasing the uh, the teasers for each one. So it was like a minute long of the song. Um, Thanks did not sound as good as it did like when you got the whole song. So like immediately I was like Inception's the winner. But once we got the full Thanks song, I was like, wait a minute. This should have been a lot closer than it was in my mind. Um, I think another one of my favorite releases this year would actually have to be from BTS's Map of the Soul Persona. Um, which would be intro persona because let me tell you how I felt cheated because I an old school Bangtan fan um, I've been very open about this I was not really into any Bangtan releases for a while and then I got my hopes up when RM dropped persona and I'm just like oh are we getting back to the old school Bangtan feel are we gonna are we getting back to the nitty-gritty roots and then boy with love came out I wasn't that so in cheated. 2019 though no no that was early 2020 was it? I thought I have to check that because I thought Map of the Soul was the or uh, Map of the Soul 7 was the 2020 release. But, you know, again, I have no concept of time right now. So uh, I do have to say, though, because obviously I am a Yoongi stan. Interlude Shadow was one of my favorite songs. Um, I don't know. That one just, you know, you know how Yoongi does the way he hit. He hit differently. I don't even know how to like articulately put it together, but that that interlude sort of brought me back to, I don't want to say Bangtan roots, but kind of like in that realm of like before it was, before all of their music were was made, was like produced by Western producers, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's definitely what I was feeling with that. My other favorite is definitely Filter because after seeing them perform that during one, the one concert, I'm just like, that is the fluttery song that I have always wanted out of BTS and they just gave it to me. I'm all about UGG, but nobody is surprised. That shit goes so hard. (laughs) Well, for other songs that for me for 2020, it was the music that was really trying to reach out to people. So Super M's With You, Stand By You by Ace. Um, There were just songs that were really trying to reach out to everyone who was home dealing with COVID and, and stuff. So those songs, I think, really, really hit strong especially in the climate that we were in. I completely forgot about my ace favorite. Goblin was my, I think, wait, what was the English title? The English title was like favorite boys. Um, but that, that was, that was a bop and a half. Yeah, no, I feel like songs that reflected, you know, something that I was going through at the time that they released or that sort of were more emotional to kind of hit in a certain way. Um, I know 2020 has been hard for everybody, but like one song, one example of that for me was um, TXT's Can't You See Me? So like we always get dumb love songs lyric wise, but what I really liked about TXT's song was that rather than like a relationship, it was talking about friendships that deteriorated. And I feel like that's kind of like a a niche that's missing in music that people don't talk about as much. And at the time that was released, I was having a very, very bad time with a friend, essentially. So that shit hit right in the middle of the heart. So like, even at this point, I still cry when I hear it. And I think that makes like a bigger impact than some of these like fluffy love songs do. I want to send you a hug. (laughs) It's all right. I'm fine now. But like, you get what I mean. Like, I didn't listen to TXT very much before this, but that song was like hit home. And I was like, okay, I get why people like them so much. It's really, when something is really hits you at a time that you're like, um, 
um, dealing or struggling, you never forget it. And it sticks with you. For me, it's a, it's a strange song, but day six of zombie, when I was sitting in my office or like my home office, just working on my keyboard day in and day out, it's like, I really felt like I became a zombie a lot of times. So that one also struck, but not in your way, but in a different way, just feeling the monotony pace and knowing that this was going to continue in that manner. There's something really cathartic about it to have an artist sort of express the things that you're feeling through their music. It kind of allows you to feel those emotions and deal with them too. So I think that a lot of groups came out and did that pretty well, just based on the climate of like the world. Um, Another group that did that was Dreamcatcher. So both of their releases this year were some of my favorites. Uh, Scream, I thought that came out very early and I thought that was their like strongest release yet. Um, And then Boca came out in the summer and that was more about like talking about the climate of like how terrible the internet is (laughs) or like netizens are about how people are mistreating other people and that they need to stop. And I think that was like a very conscious sort of release to have. And I kind of wish that Dreamcatcher would get more attention than they do. Um, They have more, you know, international reach, but like in Korea, I feel like they don't get, they don't get scraps there. Can confirm. We don't hear about them much. Which girl groups get the most attention in Korea? Twice. Well, we know that all the military boys listen to Twice, but... Lately, it's been like twice. Itzy, oh my girl, got a lot of play this year. Eyes One. I, I find it interesting that Eyes One gets a lot there because I feel like they don't get as much internationally because I n- never hear about them. Yeah, I don't hear very much about Eyes One here either. But Luna is very popular here. Are they just as popular in Korea? And yeah, I think Luna is more of an international group. I really liked their releases this year as well. It was very different um, from what they've done before. And like when I first heard So What, I was like, this is too generic sounding for me. But like the more that I listen to it, the more that I love it. They have a way of doing that with like their their melodies. I find like it seems like they are generic, but like the more that the way that Luna does them is just like it's really good. I'm trying to look at the list of 2020 releases because I truly have lost track of time because yes, Persona was released in 2019, but apparently Intro Persona is also on Map of the Soul 7. So I have completely lost track of everything. We're not talking about the iconic Monster by Irene and Sulky. Yes, yes. That was, like, that was so good. Didn't the scandal or the quote unquote scandal with Irene happen during that song? It happened after. I don't really know what to say about it. <laughs> like, it like, it's a thing that happened. I mean, maybe she's mean. Yeah. People that tend to be told that they're beautiful their entire life are mean to other people. Roxy, I'm surprised. You haven't got on your SF9 rant yet. No, but it was coming. So thanks for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, I thought um, SF9's first album uh, was really good. I had Good Guy on repeat for months. Um, and their B-side fire is like, the best thing ever. Don't look at the lyrics though, they're stupid, but the song itself is so good. What was your 2020 guilty pleasure song? See, I don't know if I could say any of these are guilty pleasures because I would like very proudly say that I loved all of them. So one that is probably not going to be as well known, the song Dirty Love uh, by Sumin and Zion T. Um, This is a song like that also came out at a very good time. (laughs) Um, The, the, lyrics really resonated with me and it made me discover Suman and like I am obsessed with her as like a producer and a songwriter I think that she's amazing and for people that don't know she has written for BTS before uh, she wrote on their Wings album it pushed me into the more K-hip-hop 
indie scene. And I think that song deserves way more attention than it got, to be honest. Definitely. I agree. Um, my... My guilty pleasure song, because I will not like admit that I actually really like this song, is One Billion Views by XOSC, because I don't understand why I love it. It's just that I just can't skip it when it comes on, and like you just bop and vibe to it. I would have to say Into the Island, IU, for the island and hyphen intro song that they made is one of the songs that I kept listening to, and... I love IU's voice and the song is just catchy. And then I guess, I don't know if it's guilty pleasure, but I could have stopped listening to Pekyon's Candy, honestly. That one was really popular. I think- Oh my God, Candy was iconic. Yeah, and he sold over like a million albums or something, didn't he? Yes. So one song that was very unexpected from me, not for any particular reason, really. I was obsessed with Moonbeal's Eclipse, like her, um, I think that was her solo debut, wasn't it? I like Mamamoo and I listen to their stuff, but like this song was like, I still listen to it constantly. That's a good one. I just realized I was wondering when this song came out, but then I remember I did the review on it. I should know. Um, Astro's Knock came out and I was singing it on repeat for like days. Yes, of course. I didn't realize that was 2020. Came out in May, dude. (laughs) My God. See, like, I remember shit that came out in January, but like, after that, it gets blurry. Um, One that I was, that really struck me was uh, Woods' June release. I did not like Love Me Harder when I first listened to it, but now it's like the only thing that I listen to. Like, it's so good. That whole album is so good. Oh, I do think I have a different, um, I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure, as the Twitter stands say, because I am a hag, quote unquote. Of course, I'd listen to it. But Max's Chocolate from TVXQ. I'm like, bruh, like that's my guilty pleasure song. Kind of surprised. I, I uh, am a little bit surprised that didn't get as much attention because I thought TVXQ would still get a decent amount of attention. But I guess that's because were old or quote-unquote hags, as you said, <laughs> according to uh, social media stands who are all 12. Exactly, but it probably got a lot of attention globally, just not in America. Yeah, I don't think they get as much attention here, especially with the newer fans. I think they're just not as well known with the young fans who are looking um, at rising new groups, um, rookies, BTS. So I think... They get lost. I can't even begin to believe that because fucking Myra Tick, y'all show some respect for the queen and the group that made the queen. <laughs> Mia people disrespecting Boa. Who the hell disrespects <laughs> Boa? I'll fight. No, no one can't disrespect. They can't. They can't disrespect Boa. Her crown doesn't slip. I don't know where these kids get off thinking they can talk shit about Boa. But also speaking with Queen, Sun Me's Pora Beat Ma oh, is such a good song. Sun Me always hits. Like, I don't even know how to explain how she does so well with, like, her solo releases. But ever since she came out with Gashina, she has just, she's just killed it. It's her magic she learned as a member of Wonder Girls. That's valid. Um, so one group that I was kind of surprised uh, when I was going back and seeing all of this um, that really caught me this year was uh, Very Very. When they oh, debuted- yeah, the one where I can never say the name right. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that song. Uh, it is GBTB. We were always messing it up. But um, the song Lay Back also came out in the beginning of the year. And that song is my jam. They like switch their sound from like the peppy 90s boy band thing to this more to this different, more mature kind of sound. Um, and I just I really liked what they did this year. I'm very impressed with them, especially after seeing them on Road to Kingdom, which, by the way, guys, that was a thing that happened this year. And being Vix's junior, wait, very, very, yeah, they are Vix's junior group. So being able to see them grow and like develop themselves a little more was so cool. And I'm really loving the new sound. So all of us can definitely feel that 2020 has been a roller coaster. Instead of 12 months, it feels like it's been like 25 months. Can you guys relate? (laughs) Yeah, it's been it's been wild. And some of these songs I didn't even realize came out this year because like time isn't real. (laughs) So it's all an illusion. (laughs) Yeah, but I am pretty thankful that we still got the volume that we did despite everything that was going on. So there were still, you know, releases to look forward to. There was still a lot of good music that came out with this year, which was amazing. And the K-pop industry ability to um, adapt to this environment was amazing. So I'm happy to see all of that. Definitely though, it's been a trying time and a difficult period. 2020 has been a struggle, but K-pop has still been very much alive. I wouldn't have survived without all these releases this year. Here's hoping to a better 2021 for everybody. Bruh, same. Completely. All right, ladies, any last thoughts? I just hope that everyone is staying safe and healthy and um, having a good time during these holiday seasons, no matter where you are, no matter how you're doing, and that you are finding outlets to find happiness and to get yourself motivated despite the trying times that we're in now. Celebrate Christmas. Have fun. Watch your favorite watch your faves do stuff, find the joy and, and uh, be excited that we're almost done with the year. <laughs> um, definitely take care of yourself, wash your hands, wear your masks. I feel like I need to say that because Jay isn't here. Jay, we miss you. Um, just a last little thing to let you know before we finish up for the episode, we actually will be starting our holiday sale. You can get 20% off in the store on print issues with the code hashtag holiday 20. We have a special surprise for you guys. Many of you guys really wanted the Monster X issue and Shipping was a bit of an issue. We understand that in these times, shipping is always the rough part. It's now up for digital purchase, guys. Make sure you follow us on social media, all at crazemagazine.com, and check out our website daily as we release new content. Thanks for listening to the Crazecast and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.